This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Identity fraud, undeclared criminal records, and lying about residency. Those are the most common ways for people to fraudulently claim Canadian citizenship. And it's not very hard to get away with, according to a scathing report by the Auditor General. He found that even the simplest scams don't raise red flags with our officials. For instance, 50 people using the same address on their applications to become Canadians. The Auditor General found 50 cases of fraud in a random audit, a random audit that covered only six months. How many more are out there? And this doesn't even include those Canadians of convenience, people who come here and qualify, but then immediately move back to their countries and simply use Canadian citizenship as a kind of insurance policy. The numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740 at Fight Back Libby or Fight Back at Zoomer.ca. And before we get to the phones to hear from you, I have security expert Ross McLean here in the studio and on the line, Giddy Mammon, immigration lawyer. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here, Libby. Giddy, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, well, uh, Ross, let's start with you. What do you make of this? Well, I find it to be quite shocking, these numbers that the Auditor General has put together. Essentially, what he's done is he decided to look at, as you say, six months worth of applications to check the quality control and how they're done. And he found ridiculous amounts of, uh, of fraud and, and poor checking and poor data entry and mistakes that allowed all sorts of people to be granted citizenship who perhaps shouldn't in some rather serious cases, uh, it seems, too. Uh, and what is the problem here, Giddy? Is that is it that the RCMP doesn't talk to the Border Patrol? Is it because the computer systems are out of date? Is it just because people don't bother to check? It's a lot of things. First of all, we have way too many agencies involved in this. You have local law enforcement that should be reporting uh, charges to immigration. You have the CDSA, uh, which is another agency uh, that has its own records. Uh, there's a lot of agencies, and quite frankly, they're all a little bit, uh, they hold their information a little bit too tightly to the chest. They don't share it. Technologically, we don't have systems that are uh, fluid enough to get the information across in a timely way. Uh, and there's also an expectation that, you know, a handful of officers can move, you know, a quarter million citizenship applications a year uh, when it's, the resources are simply not enough. And so to keep up with what they have to get done, um, you know, they, they, they don't check everything, it seems. Uh, and the, 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 you know, the waiting uh, for citizenship, uh, you know, the processing times have gone from, you know, six to eight months to now 18 months to two years. Um, you know, it's, it's a horrible situation, and uh, it's allowing people who are committing fraud to get away with it, which is encouraging more fraud, uh, and is not really allowing uh, what, what Parliament intended, that is, for people to uh, get citizenship only if they're actually living in Canada. 
Now, is, is, it, is it the system? Is there a lot of incompetence involved here? You know, uh, there's clearly things that can be improved. For example, uh, you know, if you've been convicted of an indictable offense uh, within a certain period of time, you're not allowed to apply for citizenship. So what the Auditor General found was that the department checks your criminal records at the beginning of the process. Well, since the process now takes 18 months, uh, they don't check it against the 18 months. So what happens is if you have been charged or convicted uh, of, of, a, of an offense uh, during that period of time, you might, you might be granted citizenship nonetheless. So he made a simple suggestion. Why don't you don't do the criminal record check at the beginning, do it at the end, so that just before you're about to grant citizenship, you have a timely uh, background check uh, in your possession before you hand over a citizenship certificate. So things like that, the processes that have to be improved, um, uh, and the government, I think, has to have a heightened awareness that people are desperate to claim citizenship, and they will commit fraud. And, and if you're going to enforce the law, you're going to need more manpower and better systems and, a, and maybe a, a, a stronger attitude towards, uh, towards the job that you're doing. Okay, I'm just going to give the numbers out again. People, I want to hear from you about what you think about all these cases of fraudulent Canadian citizens, people coming here and taking advantage. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Ross, so we have these cases, 50 cases, in, in a period of a few months. What do you think this says about what is actually going on? Well, it tells me that the problem is rampant throughout all of the applications that they're taking. You know, people in, in business will be familiar with terms like having an ISO 9000 certification. You know, that's where all your processes are laid out. You say what you're going to do and how you're going to do them, and you're going to do them correctly. Someone comes in and makes sure that you're actually doing what you say you're going to do. If you do it correctly, they give you a certificate of approval that you're certified to be good at what you do. That's important in drug manufacturing, production of things, and it's important in processing like this. What this auditor has said is that the process is completely flawed from top to bottom. The systems don't work. As Giddy pointed out, the systems don't talk to each other, the databases. People aren't using the tools that are there. And the people apparently are not trained how to use the tools that are there to check these things. So it's really almost a farcical type system, this citizenship. And, and, and I actually have a question for Giddy on this. The one part that I'm looking at, Giddy, is he cites that fraudulent documents are used, can be used, fraudulent passports, fraudulent stamps are being put on passports for doing stuff. And it seems that the citizenship people can't even identify this. How, how, how much do you find that's a problem with fraudulent documents? Well, of course it's a problem. You know, when I was an officer back in 1984, it was a problem then, and it's still a problem. What, what's interesting, uh, Libby, if I'd like to make a comment actually about this. You know, this is the same government that told you just a few months ago that we can process 25,000 people in 57 days, and we can do security background checks, and we were assured that you know, we would be okay. Uh, we, we received every assurance from uh, the RCMP, from the CBSA, from the minister himself that you know, these are effective background checks. They can't even tell you who's living in Scarborough and who doesn't live in Scarborough, and they can't even tell you if you have a Canadian conviction or a Canadian charge. How are they supposed to tell you, and how much reliance can we place on a background check for uh, someone in Syria uh, where, you know, 
City halls have been demolished. Government offices have been demolished. There's no way to verify birth certificates. There's no way to verify marriage certificates. If, if somebody's telling you uh, that they were, uh, you know, farming at the time of the conflict, maybe they were, you know, driving a truck for ISIS. How are you going to verify that information when we don't even have an embassy there for the last several years and we don't have any troops on the ground to verify anything? So, you know, you know, the public needs to understand that there's nothing wrong with bringing refugees to Canada. There's nothing wrong with bringing immigrants to Canada. But when they tell you that we do security checks or you're going to be fine, that's nonsense. And we can see that even granting citizenship for people who are supposed to be living in Canada, we can't even do it right, never mind people who are coming from a conflict zone. Well, that is, uh, that is pretty scary. Uh, let's just take a call here. We've got Maria in Mississauga. Hi, Maria. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, this subject really infuriates me. Um, as a Canadian, um, of course, we're a country that welcomes immigrants from, you know, wherever they may be, but we like to do it the proper way, uh, which is the way I did it and the way most of my family uh, has done who has, you know, wanted to come over. I've been From where, may I ask? Uh, we're Portuguese. Yep. So Portugal. Um, I've been through hell just to renew my husband's PR card with all the paperwork and all the specifics that they need. Yet it just infuriates me. that And, and we've been here, mind you, we've been together for over 35 years. He's been here about 45 years. So the proper way, the landed immigrant, the whole schmeal, yet you've got these people who just seem to come here and they get everything and they get away with it. It's just ridiculous. Meanwhile, you have somebody like him, and I'm sure there are many others like him, who have, you know, made this their country, worked, paid their dues, paid their taxes, have been a good citizen, never been in trouble with the law. And they put these people, the good people, they put them through hell just to get a friggin' PR card, never mind. PR card is? The per- permanent resident. Permanent resident right, card. Right, because if you go on a trip and you're not a Canadian citizen... You need the PR card in order to get back into the country without any issues. So, and he's not a citizen. And does he does he want to be a citizen? Yes, he does. But my point is, is it's it's just been unbelievable the amount of paperwork and stuff that they ask for um, just for the PR card. We're not even talking about the citizenship yet. Okay. Well, Maria, thanks very much for for sharing your story. And uh, people out there, we want to hear your stories uh, dealing with immigration. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I'm here with security expert Ross McLean and on-the-line immigration lawyer, Giddy Mammon. And uh, Giddy, you just brought up a really scary point saying we or our officials can't even get it right when it comes to people who are supposedly living in Canada and applying from inside Canada. So how are we going to do it with these refugees? Ross, do you have any sense? Um, My understanding was that we were relying on... uh, people who were declared to be refugees by the United Nations. 
Well, yeah, that, that was something else that came out in terms of these. And, and actually, Giddy can speak very, uh, very strongly towards this. And he can correct me, certainly, if I'm wrong. But my understanding was we had at one of our public security meetings here, we, heard, we found out that these refugees who were brought in, the 25,000 that were supposed to be brought in, they weren't actually refugees. They, they weren't in refugee camps, which everybody was led to believe in these camps with squalor and crime. Many of the people were on immigration lists. They were living in apartments. They were established in some of the countries that they were being housed in. And it was just sort of an advanced immigration thing, really. Is that, is that not correct, uh, Giddy? Uh, absolutely. Um there, it goes a little bit further than that, actually. Usually, when we when we say somebody is a convention refugee, somebody has made a determination, whether it's the UNHCR that has interviewed them and verified the information and has basically certified them as a refugee meeting, meaning that they have they are facing persecution in their country of origin on one of the five convention grounds. But either the UNHCR does that, or we have an immigration refugee board here who has a hearing and does that. But what happened is um, last year, the government decided that you don't need to prove that. If you're coming from Syria, we're going to assume that you're a, a convention refugee. You don't have to be recognized by the UNHCR or by the Immigration Refugee Board. The 25,000 people here, some of them have never actually proven to anyone that they uh, meet the convention definition. All they were required to do is prove that they're Syrian nationals. And the, the, the idea that we call all 25,000 of them refugees uh, is not quite accurate. Only some of them were actually identified as convention refugees by the UNHCR, and the rest were exempted by that requirement. Yeah, I, I personally find that less than... Uh, <laughs> That's shocking to me when I found that out because they sat, the government sat and said to us clearly and actually shamed people if they didn't support the program about saving people who are refugees. When we heard about, as your last caller, uh, Libby, people who are standing in line, who love this country, who play the, play the game, they do all the work. And if they don't dot an I, they get sent back six more months till you get that approval on your form. And I'm sure that Giddy represents people who are good people who are having trouble when they're doing the honest right thing. And here we find from the Auditor General, no less than the Auditor General of Canada, that this is a completely flawed uh, system that does not have any checks or balances that we can feel comfortable with. Giddy, sorry, um, is there any further checks of the people coming in from Syria once they're here? Are there, sorry. Okay, so if there is, that would be shocking to me. I'm not saying that there isn't, because theoretically... We check first and land later. So right. if I were to find that the government is actually continuing to conduct background checks post-landing, that would be shocking to me because I would say you're supposed to do that before they arrive, not after they arrive, and you have assured Canadians that you're going to do your security background check before anybody gets their, their feet on Canadian soil. So that would be an enormous um, departure from what we have ever done. And if we are actually doing that, um, that only reinforces uh, my view that this effort was really a political stunt to get someone elected because there was no December 31st, uh, 2015 deadline. That's a fictional deadline. Nothing was going to happen on that day. The roof was not going to fall in on these refugees on that day. The prime uh, minister-elect at that time... um, wanted to demonstrate how efficient he is and how humanitarian he is, 
and to prove to Canadians that we could accomplish something. But if you're now telling me that the essential piece of the processing is being done, you know, after the fact, that would be actually quite shocking uh, to not only us here in Canada, but also to the Americans who received assurances from our uh, ambassador to the United States that we're going to, uh, you know, cross all our T's and dot all our I's before anybody gets here. I, I, I just was asking, if uh, my point being that if you're saying that these checks were inadequate, is, is there any follow-up? But uh, I, I have no information that that's actually happening. I mean, do you have any uh, predictions of, you know, what's going to happen with this, uh, given that a lot of people have come in, as you say, without proper checks? Well, look, you know, I'm a person who completely and wholly supports the idea of bringing refugees to Canada. Uh, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing that we do, and if we, if we increased it, if we doubled it, I would support it. Um, I don't necessarily support a program that doubled during an election year, and only during an election year, and that we return back to the, to the original numbers after the person has been elected, uh, but I completely support it. Um, and I'm not even saying that our background checks are inadequate. Generally speaking, they're not inadequate. Generally speaking, we have a visa in the a visa office in the foreign country, an embassy or consulate. They do their work diligently, and sometimes they they they're too diligent. It takes two, three, four, five years to complete those background checks before they can come to Canada. So I'm not necessarily saying it's adequate. In this particular situation, we did something that we've never done before, which is move a mountain in a very very short period of time. So I'm saying. This is giving me some concern, and I think that the vast majority of these 25,000 people are actually nice, honest, hardworking people who are going to try to do the very best they can with their lives in Canada. But there's going to be one or two, there's going to be 100 or 200, I don't know. Some of them will have lied on their applications about uh, their marital status, about their age, whatever it is, uh, because they want to come to Canada, and I guess you know we can not be too concerned about that. But some of them will have certainly lied about what they did during this conflict and whether or not they have a criminal record, because we have no way of verifying either of those two things. I just hope to God that we don't find out that I'm right um, in a way that is going to be very painful for Canadians to, uh, to witness. Okay, so um, we don't have very much time left. I'm going to take, let's take a call. Peter in Exeter. Hi, Peter. Hello. Uh, that's really worrisome the way the, the way this government is handling this. I mean, good grief, uh, it's fraudulent. I welcome uh, uh, immigrants for sure to this country, done in a legal way. But these people are entering, entering fraudulently, and uh, you know, with nine eleven suicide bombers and all the rest of it, uh, they're really protecting us, aren't they? Doing something like this, and and. To go through so many different agencies is totally ridiculous. I mean, uh, and can't even get their heads together. But we're talking about the government here, and they've got to get this straightened out, or, you know, somebody could get killed over this. Okay. Um, I was going to say, Peter, Peter is right about that. Let me give you an example. They're saying here that this Auditor General, with her system, if they put in somebody's name or street and they don't put it in a capital letter for it, it creates two different files for them. 
so you can't search and find it. And that was how the Boston bomber managed to get on a plane and go learn how to go make his bombs and came back because they misspelled his name in the no-fly list database. And they're saying that this is clear. They're making all kinds of data entry errors here as well. Well, guys, this has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, We're going to have to take a quick break. But thank you so much, Giddy Mammon and Ross McLean. And I'm sure that we will return to this topic, unfortunately, in the future. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.